and then you could run a firm that you love working in that gives you great work-life balance and to show that there's a different kind of model available out there. It's not the model that's existed for the past few decades. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this show, and frankly, very excited to bring you today's guest. For today's show, we are revisiting a guest that we had on the show last year, but for a different purpose this time. Ryan Lazanis in Montreal is joining us for the program, and he was on the show back in February of 2020 for episode 164. That's over 60 episodes ago and about 15 months ago. I asked Ryan back on the show because I'm always impressed every time I listen to his own podcast because he has so much good advice and and insight for those looking to build their own modern accounting firm. I find a lot of truth in what Ryan shares, and since helping others build a firm like he did prior to successfully selling it, by the way, is his specialty, I ask him to come back and share some of that insight with us on this program. If you've ever thought about starting your own firm or scaling your firm in a more lifestyle-friendly way, then this discussion is going to be of tremendous value to you. If you do enjoy this discussion and find value in it, please check us out on Amazon. You can find my author page there. Just search on Amazon for Mark Goldman and it'll pop right up. We have a few books there for both accounting professionals and for employers of accounting professionals. As a matter of fact, Ryan and I later in this discussion get into talking about hiring a little bit when you do have your own firm. And so if you are in that situation, a couple of the publications I have may help. I have 49 tips for working with a headhunter, which gives insights into the industry, and then hiring for accounting positions, which is sort of a comprehensive guide to filling accounting positions for employers. So if you are in those roles, please check those out. And as always, if there's anything I can do for you in your own career or for any accounting organizations like accounting clubs, that kind of thing that you may be involved in, please reach out to me as well. I'm always happy to help in any way that I can. Just search for Mark Goldman on LinkedIn and I'll pop right up. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with today's guest. You really enjoyed this discussion. Here's Ryan Lazanis of Future Firm. Hey, Ryan. Welcome back. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Thanks a lot for having me here. No problem. No problem. This is going to be fun. Well, for the audience, I am excited to have a very interesting guest back on the show, Ryan Lazanis, who happens to be in Canada. We interviewed Ryan back in early 2020, so a little over a year ago at this point. And since becoming aware of Ryan in the marketplace, I've been watching what he offers accountants online, and I've become a regular listener to his own podcast as well. We're going to revisit some of this, I'm sure, but just to recap a little of what we covered in the last episode, Ryan started his career as an accountant. He quickly decided, though, to start his own cloud-based accounting practice and then successfully sold it just a few years ago. Afterwards, though, he decided to start helping the profession by becoming a coach to those that wish to do the same thing that he did, basically starting and running a successful, scalable accounting firm. So I asked Ryan back on the show to talk about some of the steps that are involved in starting to practice the right way, because I know many of us sort of start haphazardly without much of a plan. We get a couple of clients and hope to make some money, but there's probably a better way or a best way to do that. 
Ryan, I do want to get to the coaching session part of this, but if you don't mind, let's quickly cover your career history so people understand your background. Recap, if you would, sort of you know, sure. what you did from college up through starting your firm. Sure, absolutely. So actually, before I went into accounting, I was studying to go into law. And this was in my probably in my early 20s at this point. I went on a backpacking trip through Southeast Asia. I spent, it was only supposed to be two months long. And I fell in love with it there. I said, you know what? Forget the law career. The law career could wait. I'm going to spend an extra couple months in Southeast Asia, which I did. My parents weren't too thrilled about that. But when I got back, I realized that law wasn't really the direction I wanted to go. And I said, you know what? Let's just go all in on accounting. And a lot of this had to do, I think, with my father. He'd always pushed me into a profession. He was a small business owner himself. He saw the ups and downs of small business. I saw that. I witnessed that myself as well. And a profession seemed like a good fallback plan. If ever down the road, I felt I was a bit entrepreneurial from a young age and that I would have a business. And if ever that business didn't work out, I'd have a profession to fall back on. So that was one of the reasons why I was thinking law or accounting. And after my trip, I said, you know what, let's go all in on accounting. It seems to be the language of business. And I did my studies in accounting, got my uh, CPA designation here in Canada. I got an accounting job, my first accounting job. Well, while I was studying for my uh, CPA, I had an accounting job at a small, traditional, very typical CPA firm in Montreal. I was basically doing file work for about five, six years while I studied for my CPA and obtained my CPA went into industry. I was an assistant controller for uh, about six months. Didn't last too long. Really didn't like that kind of gig. And at that point, I felt, you know what? I was still in my 20s, probably mid to late 20s. And I said, now would probably be a good time to start a business. And I was thinking about different types of business ideas, playing around with different things. And I said, everything I know up until this point, everything I've been educated on, everything I've been trained in has been in accounting. So it'd be foolish to throw that away. So why don't I look to start an accounting firm? And the thing is, I didn't want to start a normal accounting firm because I didn't love the traditional model. You know, I had worked in that model for over half a decade. I'd seen the type of experience that clients receive, which wasn't a very pleasant experience. Clients typically hate their accounting and don't necessarily love dealing with their accounting firm. It's something they wish they just didn't have to do. And my idea when I started my firm in 2013, which was called Zen Accounting, was just to make people's lives easier, to make accounting easy and painless for businesses that I'd be working with. And when I started the firm from day one, it was an online accounting firm. It was completely digital, completely virtual, and really focused on meeting with clients online and using cloud accounting software to make accounting and their accountant more accessible and to automate a lot of the manual, tedious tasks. Now, that might not seem like a very novel idea at the time, but in 2013, people did not meet with their accountant online. It wasn't a very typical way of working. And cloud accounting software was extremely new. And I was playing around with a lot of new concepts when I started my firm. Anything that I saw as a pain point from the typical model, I wanted to eliminate. For example, timesheets is pervasive across the industry, but people hate their timesheets. So I said, this firm is not going to have timesheets. We're going to run it in a different way. And clients, they hated hourly billing and getting surprise bills in the mail. So I said, you know what? We're not going to have hourly billing. We're going to have subscription pricing from the get-go. And that subscription pricing will be advertised online. And all those little things that I saw as pain points, I wanted to eliminate them and just make people's lives easier. And that was really the theme. And the thing was, though, I had all these ideas which I thought were good ideas at the time, and they ended up being good ideas, but knew nothing about how to implement or execute them because I was very inexperienced. 
I'd never run a business before. I'd never been trained in anything other than doing tax returns and financial statements and month ends. And I knew nothing about how to sell the services. I knew nothing about how to market the services. I knew nothing about how to price the services. I'd never managed or hired anyone in my life. So all these critical components of running a business were things that I was never trained on. And I think a lot of accounting firm owners can probably relate to that. So I spent the first couple of years really trying to tinker around with a model that would make people's lives easier. And I had a lot of costly mistakes, a lot of pitfalls, had to educate myself from the ground up in a lot of these areas. And it took me a couple of years to finally figure out a model that could scale. And fast forward a few years, five years after starting the firm from scratch, so I started with zero clients, I grew the team to about 15, and I started getting a lot of interest from outside parties that wanted to acquire us because of the technology-forward approach and the fact that cloud accounting looked to be the future, and a lot of firms wanted to jump on that bandwagon. And I had never actually ever considered starting a business and then selling it. It was just, you know, I looked at my father's footsteps. He uh, started a business from a young age and he ran it for a few decades and then he retired. And I kind of felt that I would probably do the same. So I never actually considered selling a business. But when I started getting different offers in, that's when I started really having that fork in the road moment. And it was probably one of the most difficult moments of my life because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to sell it. Didn't know if I wanted to partner with the firm, if I wanted to keep running the firm. And that was a very, very difficult moment for me in it. And my wife could probably attest to it. I probably bugged her enough with, you know, what should I do? She heard a lot about that kind of stuff, but ended up really clarifying my purpose, clarifying what I really wanted out of life. And that was a very powerful lesson for me and ended up going through with an acquisition in 2018. So five years after I started the business and I sold it to a firm, a corporate services firm out of Isle of Man of all places, which was an interesting transaction and sold the business and then started my new venture future firm from that point onward. Wow. Did you go backpack in Asia first? In between the two again, or <laughs> uh, you know what? So interesting thing. When I was backpacking in Southeast Asia, that's where I actually met my wife. So that wasn't the reason why I extended my trip, but in the first place, my parents seemed to think that's the case, but that really wasn't the reason. But yeah, so I'd actually it was the best decision of my life to extend the trip. Met my wife. So yeah, that's a bit of backstory for you. Wow! Wow! So tell us about Future Firm, your business now, because there's a lot of other things you could do. You could start many yeah. other different types of businesses, you know, something else related to accounting. And instead, you decided to start something that basically helps people do what you did <laughs> in 2013 yep. through 18. Yep. So why that? I mean, what made you passionate about it? Why did you decide that was right for you? A few things come to mind there. One is... I think one of the reasons why I started Zen Accounting in the way that I did is because I've always been a bit frustrated with the profession and the fact that it hasn't moved forward or innovated or have advanced fast enough. And I was attracted to more disruptive business models and wanted to do something a little bit different in the accounting space. So that's kind of why I started Zen Accounting. And when I really faced that fork in the road moment and had to think about my purpose, I realized that my purpose wasn't helping serve small businesses, the clients that I was servicing, but it was really about helping advance the accounting profession in, in, even in a small way. Because I feel 
our professional bodies aren't doing enough to help the small accounting firm owner. And the world has really changed in the last few years. And the pace of change is only accelerating. And I don't feel there's those resources available for people that want to run and grow a modern accounting firm. And certainly I was faced with that when I started my firm. I was thinking about doing things that other people weren't doing. And I'd approach CPA Canada, who's our national body here, and ask them questions. And no one would have any answers for me. And there would literally be no resources available online for how I could learn how to grow a modern firm. And I had to just make all those mistakes myself. And those are timely, costly, stressful mistakes. I definitely have a few gray hairs because of them now. But I wanted to help other accounting firm owners avoid those pitfalls and quickly create a modern, scalable firm that they love working in. Because if you look at a lot of accounting firm owners, they do get stuck in that typical professional services model trap where you grow the firm, but it means that you have to drive yourself in the ground to do it. You got to work a ton of hours. You go through stressful, crazy, busy seasons. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't go through that in my firm. And I want to show others how they can achieve that as well. So yeah, that was one of the reasons. The other thing is when I said I started Zen Accounting and that I wanted to make things easier on all parties, what I really meant, I guess, is that, or what I learned is that creating an easy model where you can grow with less effort means it's a more scalable model. So I was always interested in the business model and how I can create something scalable. And while I think I achieved that with Zen Accounting, I felt that I could, with Future Firm, create an even more scalable model. And that's kind of what I'm doing with my coaching at the moment. And I'm very, very interested in the model that I'm currently developing with Future Firm. So yeah, Future Firm is basically there to help firm owners fast track the growth of a modern, scalable firm that they love working in that doesn't drive them into the ground. I put out a lot of free content that's practical and actionable on my blog, futurefirm.co. I have a bi-weekly podcast that you mentioned earlier in the episode, which is literally bite-sized episodes under 10 minutes, just on like one actionable tip that people can implement in their firm. I have a weekly newsletter sent to around 5,000 firm leaders around the world that want help scaling their firm. And I just give actionable, helpful tips and content in there. And that's all free. And then I've been doing one-to-one coaching for the last two years with, on average, seven-figure firms that, again, want help creating a scalable model. And then I took everything I've learned through running my firm and coaching other firms and developed an online coaching membership, which launched in January 2021, which basically takes everything I know develop it into an online course curriculum, currently has about 200 modern forward-thinking firm owners, a lot of them startups, but some of them a little bit further in their journey as well, where there's an online forum where everyone shares best practices. And then I provide some coaching through that platform as well. So that's kind of a little bit about Future Firm. That program is called Future Firm Accelerate, which just launched in January. Okay. Okay. So like I alluded to in the introduction, practically, I don't want to make it sound too easy, but the market for accountants is good. I mean, every business owner needs an accountant and Mm -hmm. practically anyone can pick up a client if they want to Mm -hmm. and service that client, but doing it profitably and in a manner where you can continue to get clients. And like you said, it doesn't wear you out. You know, doing it in a scalable manner is, is a different story. What's the first step for starting a firm the right way or the first group of steps, if you will? Yeah, so that's a great question. And 
I wish I would have known this the first time around when I started my firm, because you just kind of fall into it. You say, you know what, I'm going to start an accounting firm. And most accountants just pick up whatever clients that come their way. And that kind of just snowballs into a bit of a Frankenstein where it's impossible to scale because you have all kinds of different clients, all kinds of different profiles and businesses, and they all have different needs. And then you're running from client to client, fire to fire. So when I went and started my second business, I realized that you have to design the business from the ground up and that requires a strategy. And the strategy should always start with your personal goals and what you really want out of life and understanding what your ideal life looks like and designing your business in a way that suits that ideal lifestyle. Because a lot of people just get wrapped up into growth mode and they start a business or they start an accounting firm to have a better life, but very quickly they just get wrapped up into the hamster wheel and it's very hard to escape. So the very first step is to have a plan, a strategic plan. And in that strategic plan, I like to outline specifically how much money you ideally want to make, how many hours you want to be working, what kind of work you want to be, where you want to be spending your time, how much time off you want in a year, like really just getting a clear picture of your ideal life and then designing the business around that and just being very intentional with every step that you take to make sure that you're on track to achieve your ideal destination. So getting clear on personal goals, framing your long-term business goals, and making sure that they're consistent with your personal goals, and then reverse engineering a plan to figure out what the first steps you should be doing. And uh, usually I like to, when I'm coaching firms, those first steps should usually be 90-day actionable goals. So really understanding where you want to end up and reverse engineering a plan and prioritizing what you need to achieve in the next 90 days to be on track and then just simply updating that plan every quarter. So that's a very simple way of explaining it all. Okay. You think about your long-term personal goals. You think about where you want to be. You reverse engineer a plan. Then what? Yeah. So once you have a bit of a plan in place and in that plan, you should also be identifying who you're going to be targeting, being specific about the kind of client that you want to be working with. And then once we have an idea of who we want to target, we want to develop an offer for that kind of client. And I like to develop a product with something called a productized service offer, where instead of just selling a tax return or selling a financial statement or selling monthly bookkeeping, I like to bundle that all into a package and we can call it a gold, silver, and bronze version of your packages. And then we're just selling packages at that point. And these packages become something that should be systematic and repeatable to offer and something that's a little bit easier to market and sell. So then when I'm going through my coaching, I coach people on how to create a productized service offer, how to create a bronze, silver, gold version of their offering. And, and yeah, that's something that would be done very early in the process. I was curious what your thoughts were on that because you mentioned subscription pricing earlier and, and that... You're seeing that more in the marketplace, but it's still pretty cutting edge <laughs> for accounting firms to do. And you did yeah. it early on. That really intrigued me. Yeah, I think ultimately it's getting away from the billable hour because nobody really enjoys the billable hour. The client, it's not a good experience for the client. And that's when I started account, uh, Zen Accounting, the reason why I got into subscription client in the first place was to eliminate the pain point that clients have with the billable hour. So I figured... Let's just show packages online, a gold, silver, bronze package online, show what's included and show a monthly price. And that will give certainty of price and they'll know what they're getting up front. And then I, only once I began offering that, did I really realize the power of a productized service offering 
and how that could help you scale much faster and how the client really prefers that kind of approach. And a lot of accountants have trouble with this approach because the billable hour is what we've all been trained on and it's a very easy model. But pricing a subscription offer is a little bit tricky for some. So it, it takes a little bit of learning curve involved. But once you get above that learning curve, it could be very profitable, much more scalable, and it's a much better client experience. Okay. We're talking about building a firm that's scalable. Part of that is knowing when to hire, knowing when to bring on some extra help in doing that appropriately. What advice or pointers do you have in that area? Because I'm sure you've helped other firm owners with identifying when's the right time. (laughs) You know what? That's a real tough one. And I think it's really case by case. I think in my situation, and I'm very happy I did it in this way, is I hired very early and I hired an experienced individual very early. So my idea was while I had studied accounting, my passion was not in accounting and I wasn't a very good accountant. So I needed to get myself out of the client work as fast as possible. So as soon as money started coming into the business, I hired a CPA and that CPA was going to take all the client work off my shoulders so that I could focus on designing the business and growing the business and marketing the business. So I did that very, very early on. And everything that I did in the business was to shield myself from actually dealing with clients and doing file work. Other than higher level relationship type stuff, I wasn't really dealing with much of the client stuff. So that was something that was very intentional for me from the start. And I see a lot of accounting firm owners that kind of get in the trap of just they're unable to get out of the file work phase. And that's simply because they're just not hiring early enough. But there is a risk associated with that because it's kind of the chicken or the egg. You could either, if you hire early, you have to make sure that the revenues comes in to support that. Most people don't want to take that gamble. So they have trouble getting out of the file work and breaking that cycle. So you have to have a little bit of confidence in yourself as well that you can bring in those dollars. So having a bit of a marketing engine in place beforehand might be a good idea. I think it comes down to case by case in a lot of instances of when you should bring your first person on board. I think you have to have some kind of sales funnel and marketing funnel in place. Okay. It's interesting. You mentioned revenues and you also mentioned that you hired a CPA, a very experienced individual very early. And I know a lot of business owners would say, well, let me figure out what I can afford and then go hire that. And it it sounds like you hired more for the future than for the now. (laughs) Do you have any thoughts about that? That's exactly it. And you know what? I didn't pay myself for that first year. And maybe even into the second year, I was reinvesting into the business. And that's the sacrifice that has to be made because you can't do it all. If you're just starting... You can't pay yourself a salary, bring on a CPA and only have a couple of clients. You can't do it all. So there's some kind of sacrifice that has to be made at some point. And that's why I say it's case dependence because when I started my business, I didn't have any kids. I was in my 20s. I didn't have any debt. I didn't have any big, huge responsibilities on my shoulders. So I was able to take that risk, but not everybody could take that risk. So I think it depends on a few different things. Okay. Okay. So you started getting approached four or five years, maybe four years, I guess, into having your firm to sell it. (laughs) You started getting offers and that kind of thing. I'm curious, were you at the point then when it was big enough for you or had that not happened? Do you think you would have continued to grow it to be where 15 people to 30 people or 45 people or et cetera, et cetera, brought on partners? 
Yeah, I mean, it would have continued to keep growing. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, year after year, the growth was quite impressive. I mean, definitely outstripped how a typical accounting firm would perform. And no doubt it would continue in that direction. That question of enough is a good question. And when I think back on it, I was very satisfied with what had been created. And the biggest question mark when I started was, will this model work? Because when I told everyone when I was starting that I was going to start an online accounting firm, most CPAs laughed. Most CPAs said, no, like people don't want to meet you on Skype. They want to go into the office and see the accountant and the the relationship that's super important. And the validation of that model was, I think, what I was maybe really going after. And that model was validated. And I was happy with what had been accomplished. And then at that point, it would have been just growth for the sake of growth. And I talk about this in a lot of my, in a couple of my podcast episodes is just being clear on what enough is for you. And I think for me, that was my enough moment. It's like, I've accomplished what I want to accomplish with this business. Let me try and like seek out new challenges now. Okay. Yeah, that's really what I was asking because I, I'm sure it could have continued to grow. It's just a matter of whether or not you would have wanted it to. <laughs> Because yep. then that's something you're managing and, you know, continuing to grow and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, to switch gears a little bit, I ask you how to start a firm and you, yep. you know, gave a good plan. Well, what are some of the mistakes you see new startup firms make, you know, as a new sole proprietors? Anything come to mind that are just sort of common pitfalls? Good question. I think the common pitfall that I've learned is just not having a strategy. And that okay. kind of brings us back to like the first step of when you start a business is to have a strategy. But one of the reasons why so many firm owners are so busy is because they're just bouncing around from thing to thing. And there's no real strategy in place. There's no clear vision of what needs to be or wants what the business wants to achieve. And when you don't have that North Star, it's very hard to prioritize competing priorities. So having that that strategic plan that really outlines what you want to achieve very clearly and then updating that on on a regular basis. If without that, it's very easy to just bounce around. And I see that time and time again. It happens with pretty much all firms that I initially start coaching. Okay. Okay. Well, I do still end the show with the same three questions, just like I did the first time I interviewed you. And and I do Mm -hmm. want to get to those and leave enough time. But before we do, though, you've been developing future firm and you're offering to the profession now for, well, you're in your third year. Where do you see it going in the future? Or I should think a better question maybe is years from now, when you look back Mm -hmm. on this, what will you want to say you achieved? What will you want the impact to have been? To help modernize the profession. Very simply, I'm just trying to help modernize the profession and show accountants that there's a different way to run an accounting firm it's in our, almost in our blood and the culture that you have to work these crazy busy seasons and these crazy hours. And it's almost a given that an accounting firm is a stressful kind of business. And I want to show people that it doesn't have to be that way. And then you could run a firm that you love working in and that gives you great work-life balance. And to show that there's a different kind of model available out there. It's not the model that's existed for the past few decades, the new kind of model that's better for clients and better for owners. So I'm just trying to help modernize the profession. Beautiful. 
That is so important. I own a recruiting company, and I think the biggest problem we have in public accounting is that just the way a lot of it is structured, it wears people out over time. And Mm -hmm. if if we can make it a little friendlier, overall, as as a profession, we'll be happier. When I worked in accounting, I liked public accounting, but it does, you know, over time. At some places, it tires you out a little bit. So, yeah, what you're doing is important. Well, I do end every show with the same three questions, and I'm going to alter these a little bit since you've been on the program before, but still keeping the same, the same overall purpose. First one's usually the easier one. From a career perspective, either what's been your proudest moment or maybe what's happened recently that you've been proud of? Well, I think two things come to mind. I mean, recently, it was probably the birth of my daughter, who's uh, almost one year old now. So I'm very proud of that. That's an easy answer. Professionally, I'd probably say the, the sale of my business, because as I mentioned, I never expected that I would build something that I would sell. And the fact that what was created had value enough for people to seek it out and want to acquire it means that I feel validated. So it was a nice way to end things when it came to that chapter of my life. So those are definitely two that come to mind, one on the professional side and one on the personal side. Beautiful. (laughs) Those are perfect. Well, second, and this is more of a request, tell us about a lesson you learned the hard way when building one of your businesses. And the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how we're all going to learn from this. Yeah. So I'm probably going to repeat myself here, but it's just being clear on what you really want out of life. When I started my accounting firm, I didn't think about what I really wanted out of life other than just saying, I think I could have a better life running my own business rather than being an employee. And I just started growing and picking up clients and hiring people and just kind of getting trapped in that growth mindset, never ending cycle. And it's very easy to fall into that cycle and just not really thinking about like what enough is. So I was only forced to think through that once other firms started acquiring, uh, wanted to acquire my business. Then I said, okay, well, what do I really want? How much money do I actually really need to be happy? Where do I want to be spending my time? How many hours do I want to be working? And really focusing on picturing my ideal life and then building a business around it. So I think anyone that goes into business should really highly consider that that concept of understanding what you really, really want out of life. Yeah, that makes sense. That's great advice. Well, last question, then we'll go ahead and close it down. And what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received, that you've been given? That's a good question. And I'm not sure if this is the same answer I gave last time, but this one probably comes from my father, who says sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith. And those are, you know, I've I've done that a few times in my career and they ended up working out. So you're not going to have all the pieces of the puzzle completed at the outset. And sometimes you just have to get started and not be so much of a perfectionist. So when I started my firm, I took a leap of faith and went with it. When I decided to sell my firm, I took that leap of faith, even though it was a very difficult decision. When I decided to start a new business, no idea if it would work, but I think sometimes you just have to take a jump. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. You've got to get moving, <laughs> you know, yeah, in order exactly. to... exactly. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you again. I know I mentioned this in the pre-show conversation, but I feel like we talk all the time because I really do listen <laughs> to your show all the time. But this has been an honor. I appreciate you taking the time out for my show to come on and, and talk to our audience. If someone wants to find out more about you or a future firm, I guess what's the best place 
for them to look online. Yeah, so definitely follow along on my free newsletter. It's every Tuesday morning that I send it out. And that's at www.futurefirm.co slash newsletter. And for anyone interested in wanting to build a modern, scalable firm of their own, you can check out my online coaching membership, Future Firm Accelerate at www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. Perfect. Perfect. And I'm just going to reiterate, if the podcast episodes are just so well done. They are bite-sized. And so anyone looking for this kind of advice, that, that's a great place to look as well. So. Appreciate that. Thank you, Mark. Well, that was my discussion, my interview with Ryan Lazanis of Future Firm. And after these interviews, I usually wrap them up with two or three thoughts I had during the interview. And I think I want to change that for this. I think I want to just focus on one item, one overarching theme, if you will, from this discussion with Ryan. And that's making public accounting a more lifestyle-friendly profession. I enjoyed public accounting when I worked in it. I enjoyed working with clients, helping them with their issues, helping them solve their problems. And I enjoyed working with multiple clients. Public accounting really can be a wonderful career. It can be very fulfilling. However, we all know that at least at some places, it also can be a little tiring over time just because of the deadlines and the compressed periods of time that you have to work hard and that kind of thing. So anybody that's out there trying to make public accounting or trying to help public accounting be a more lifestyle-friendly career definitely is doing important work. And so I really appreciate what Ryan is doing really for the overall profession. I think he's making a dent on the world doing this and it's important for us accountants. So thank you very much, Ryan. I know I always mention this at the end of every episode, but seriously, if there's anything I can do for you in your own career, please reach out to me. I'm having more and more of those discussions these days, and I enjoy every single one of them. If there's anything I can do for you, any discussion that you need to have about your own career, please look me up on LinkedIn. Just search for Mark Goldman CPA, and I'll pop right up. I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Well, that wraps up another episode of Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers podcast. Next week, we'll have another interesting guest for you to learn a little bit from. So until then, we'll see you next time. After all, this is Where Accountants Go. Where Accountants Go.